When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I'm a bit excited today because our reward has arrived in the post and I have opened it up with my good friend, Dana Royal Editor Russell Myers, and we've we've been feeling happy looking at our shiny award. We have opened it up virtually, in a virtual world. We're still not reunited. Well, I take full possession of it for the moment. Well, so until you, we're back in the office and you go to the it. studio. You so deserve it. I will look at it and polish it. So obviously it'd be lovely. But um, thank Is you. it for keeps? Is it actual for keeps? For yeah, it has. It, I mean, Lifestyle Podcast of the Year, Pod Save the Queen, Daily Mirror, Press Awards for 2020. So we can have a little tour. So we can give it yes. to each member of the team for... Shared custody. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Take it, taking it in terms. Taking it in terms. Um, and that, what a fantastic excuse to meet up as well, just as a handover. Like the Olympic torch. Yes. Passing it on. Passing it on. But anyway, enough of, enough of the fact that we're still very giddy that we won an award about three and so, ago. And so we should be. So we should be. So, and yes. thanks to all our lovely listeners who yes. have made it, made it all the more enjoyable. Exactly. Yes, it would be. I mean, as much fun as it is to hang out with you, it'd be no fun with no listeners. So listeners, thank you very much (laughs) for making this a very uh, enjoyable part of our week every week. So um, there's been loads happening since we last spoke, Russell. Um, Lots to talk about. There's a bit of Platinum Jubilee announcements. We're recording this on Wednesday, so we'll look ahead a little bit to the documentary about Prince Philip that's on the telly tonight. Uh, There's a lot of catching up on Prince Andrew to do, as ever, albeit minor pro- minor progress really we're not a lot further on than we were before um a bit about Earthshot the world's been back out and about um but first of all we should start with always the biggest most exciting baby news is a royal baby Hooray! yes we need uh, some sort of announcement some sort we need to, of bugle we need to get down to have a fanfare on his magic <laughs> box Da-da-da-da. anyway princess Beatrice congratulations to B and Edo on the arrival of their little girl. What do we know, Russell? Well, what do we know? We only know that the Queen's great-granddaughter came into the world on Saturday, weighing £6.2 ounces at 11.42pm. She had gone into hospital on the Friday, so, you know, I don't know, that long labour? It's, it's, it's fairly long, isn't it? So, But she wrote on Twitter... Um, later on Monday so delighted to share the news of the safe arrival of our daughter Um, also expressing thanks to the midwife team and the hospital for their wonderful care so what do we know I mean no name as yet no picture Uh, Clarence House and you know uh, various royal family social medias have been tweeting their congratulations to Princess Beatrice and Eduardo Mapali Mozzi on the happy news of the birth of their daughter. But um, I've got some runners and riders from the bookies. Oh yeah, go on. So Labrooks has got uh, Matilda and Florence leading the betting on the baby's name. Matilda is at four to one, nine to two, Florence, obviously because of the um, Italian connection. Arabella was up there as well. I think Arabella was something like 
12 to one or something. Um, and then further back, you've got Elizabeth and Sarah, obviously after Fergie. You might call it Fergie. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I did see because uh, Eugenie's son is called August. And I love that name. Well, you could we see a baby September? September a name, January is a name, April's a name, May, June. But baby August wasn't born in August. Mm. Was he you've not? Got a bit, I think so. You've got a bit literal there. Oh, yeah, well, that aside, <laughs> the baby was born in September, so could we have a left-field name of September? What is it? You get any December, any babies called December? Oh, oh breaking news from Dan in the gallery. Oh no, it's not a baby name. Dan, you tease oh, me. I thought we had one. Princess then. Anne's going to visit Paris to meet French royals, Olympic people at the start of October. Oh no, unless it's a, ba- a new baby name. <laughs> no, come on. We need, we we need, need some... I'm, I'm not going. Uh, I can't... Paris, maybe Paris. You know, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that it was Mrs. Myers that picked the name for your baby because because it's cool. Talk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm not indeed. quite sure. Um, Eugenie did put a lovely post on her Instagram as well to say, um, I can't wait to meet you. I'm so proud of you. We're going to have so much fun watching our children grow up. And to my new niece, I love you already and think you're just awesome from the photos. So clearly they have been sharing photos with the family, as you would expect. We're going to have so much fun together. Love your auntie, Euge. And it's just like, oh, that's very cute. So congratulations to them. We look forward to hearing um, about a name in due course. And we hope they are, you know, settling into into new life as, as a little family well, yeah, although, sure. Sure. Although, um, happy times B obviously already has a um, stepson from those previous relationships so they've uh, yeah, well, she obviously is a stepmom already, isn't she, to Wolfie? Exactly. Uh, so she's probably got a bit, of, a bit of practice. No practice with the nappies because he's he's about three Wolfie, isn't he? So and it's um, nice that it, he, how he was mentioned in kind of the official royal family notice as yeah, well. Yeah, I suppose they're a family now, aren't they? So it's you know he's been he was sort of uh, Edo's best man as well at the wedding, wasn't he? So he's been very very involved within the family makeup from from right at the beginning, I think. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a really nice touch. So we're wishing wishing them well, and we're, we're waiting this uh, baby pick if we get one. I imagine it'll pop up on social media and the like at some at some stage. Maybe I mean I'd be asking my sister. You you've got the Instagram. Do you want to use use your Insta and go go all go all out on that and do something nice? But although um, bees on Twitter, they've, she is. They've, they've split it between them. Different, yeah, different platforms, different sisters. Anyway, um, you missed all of our um, giddy excitement talking about wedding dresses last week, Russell. But... Oh gosh, I missed a big one. I could have, <laughs> my input would, would have been invaluable. Well, sure. obviously, but I mean, I mean, I'm sure if you'd been here, you would definitely have predicted that um, Elise Middleton, as she is now, or James Middleton's wife, got married in her mother-in-law's wedding dress from the 1980s. I mean, it was a very nice dress actually and she looks absolutely stunning but that's that's a that's a left i know, one, isn't it? I I know. Mean, I mean, it's it's it feels like quite a big deal having a you know your own your own mum or your grand's dress like my, that's obviously a lovely thing to do my wife had her mum's dress for our uk wedding because we got married abroad but we had a uk wedding she she wore the dress her mother's dress for that but as we say carol minson's got two daughters obviously kate wasn't gonna wear that dress well, as nice as it was I, you know i'm sure that 
I don't think it would have quite worked for Westminster Abbey. Yes. And so, and then Pippa had a very sort of posh society wedding, right? So I can't remember where her wedding was, but it was, I remember he was probably wearing tights. It was in a nice church. It was, yeah. Yeah. So, and and definitely the reception was in, it was in Bucklebury, wasn't it? Anyway, anyway, whatever. It was a a UK (laughs) wedding. Yeah. And so for, for then, for then, is it Elise? Yeah. Who's pronounced her name wrong, Elise. Um, for then to her to sort of come in and, and say, oh, I love the dress. I wonder what the dynamic was, whether she said, or I, whether it was just a comment of saying, oh, I'd love to, oh, I would have loved to dress like that. And then Carol offers it up. Here it is, I've got it in the cupboard. Answers just for a day like today. Answers on a postcard, because I would like to know the sort of dynamic of how that would potentially work with your mother-in-law. But great must, mother-in-law points though, surely. I mean, must guess on very well. And we were we were all just like you know she's so French she's so chic and then she's wearing you know Karen Middleton's dress from the nineteen eighties so there we nice go nice dress though nice dress yeah and uh, glorious anyway so obviously they shared some some pictures with Hello magazine um, so that was now we know now we know what the dress is which so that's you know we can we can rest easy in our beds at night now we know now we know well, what she indeed, wore, thank she God yes. thank goodness thank goodness. Um, so I mentioned that the documentary is on tonight. So I haven't I haven't seen it yet. This is um, I have a tribute to Prince Philip. Yeah. Um, essentially, so it was you know kind of being put together ahead of his hundredth birthday celebrations, and then obviously he sadly passed away. You know, a couple of months before what would have been the the big celebrations. Um, we've seen trailers. William and Harry are in it. Um, Zara's in it. Prince Charles is in it. So there's various contributions from various royals with their sort of memories both filmed I think before he died and then sort of follow-up conversations afterwards to sort of um, reflect on make it more I guess more reflective of life and his departing. Yeah his life I mean because they had a bit of extra time didn't they so it was it was definitely planned to be around his hundredth birthday but um, seeing as he passed away sadly a few weeks beforehand although my my favorite bit of the documentary which was sort of trailed a few days before uh i think over the weekend was was charles revealing what was possibly the last if not one of the last conversations he had with him around you know he called him up at windsor castle and he said uh you know we're talking about your birthday and he was sort of he, he, uh, Charles said he was mostly deaf by this point, and he was saying, "What?" You can well imagine the conversation. We're talking about your what? birthday. And then he said, um, "We were talking about your birthday." And then he said, uh, "Well, I, well, I better be around for it." And I, th- and you know, I probably did have that thought in his mind. I don't think he was bothered about from people I've spoken to. He wasn't bothered about all the fuss that was being made, whether it was within the family or outside the family. But certainly I think he thought that a lot of the family were keen to have celebrated that milestone with him. So, um, you know. The thing, I read it, the way I remember that quote, because I read that one first, I like, well, I've got to be alive for it. And I, you, can all, you can imagine him being a sort of slightly sort of dry and sarcastic and just a bit like, well, you know, this, this, these things are not a given at my time of life. I've got to be alive for it. You can't, you can't be having this big party without me. And maybe almost even having a sense that he knew that that might not 
be the case and yeah because you know he had obviously had been poorly in hospital for some time before and things so um i'm sure it'll be very poignant and in terms of the dynamics and other members of the family the queen we don't hear from in um in this but we do get some insight into you know how they sort of lived and uh, prince philip's office set up and all his gadgetry and all sorts of yeah there's, listen there's like loads it. it's jam-packed i mean you've got um certainly i mean i really the thing i really took away from it uh which i'm I, I'm sure viewers will find as well, is that, you know, when Charles is speaking about his father, he obviously held him in such high regard. And, um, and I pulled out one of these you know, pieces from the documentary for a, a standalone article during the week about how he was speaking about Philip being his main inspiration, really, for um, his 50-year campaigning on the environment and saying, you know, he was well ahead of his time. He was the one saying you know, decades before people were recognising what was happening with climate change and global warming, the environment, that we need to do something. And there were clips, like old newsreels of um, Philip speaking at, at some event or other, and and Charles pretty much looking like a bored, late, probably in his late teens, um, still at university, uh, next to him. And then something must have got through eventually because Charles really did take that on in his 20s, really, when he was started campaigning on the environments, talking about plastics. Um, and I know so much has been made in the past. There's pictures of Prince Philip having shot a tiger in India or sometimes it's quite horrific pictures. But I think overall, he, he had a huge... Um, um, undertaking in setting up the WWF, the World, World Wildlife Fund, and and Prince William was talking about that. And Prince William was saying, you know, his legacy has not only affected his, my father, you know, Charles. He was saying that it's 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 um, filtered down throughout the generations. So I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, Charles is normally very very. You know, he's a man from a bygone era, isn't he? But at, at certain times, you almost saw the little boy within him when he was speaking about his father. And I think he's had quite a fractious relationship with him throughout the years. Um, and, you know, he said it himself. He said, you know, I will miss his dear papa. And uh, I, I took that I took that away from him. He, he does miss him. He misses his counsel. Um, and um, there, there were some really glowing tributes, not only of, of Philip, but, uh, you, you know, Harry popped up and was speaking about his, and uh, Eugenie was speaking about how they've, they're most devoted couple, how they've worked in tandem with each other. Um, and yeah, if you can see it, I think there are a lot of um, people are tweeting me, asking me if it's going to be in the US. One would assume that PBS will get the rights to it because it's a BBC show, but I hope it will be screened elsewhere um, so people around the world can see it because it, it, not only have they got into the Queen's personal film, they've also used a lot of old newsreels um, and it's, uh, it's just fantastic viewing from start to finish, really. It's interesting sort of having it now because obviously there was such a swathe of coverage at the time of his death and kind of wall to wall and you know so much to so much to read and so much to watch and then now actually okay it's quite nice to sort of revisit it in a standalone fashion and be able to appreciate these sort of very particular contributions I think. Yeah, well, it's it's a proper tribute, isn't it? I mean, in the we, uh, days and weeks after he died, there was tributes coming from the four corners of the earth, and and certainly there was it was very hard keeping up with um, all the coverage. I imagine if you if you're just consuming it, 
But um, but this this sort of puts it handily into one place, which I thought was quite interesting as well. And it was only the family, so his four children. Obviously, Andrew pops up. Um, what did he have to say? I mean, being pompous as ever. I, you know, every everyone was sort of really, you know, quite heartfelt. I think William always carries himself very well. Harry Harry came across well as you know, regaling quite sweet stories and talking about his um, you know his grandfather flying and how how he wanted to keep his flying hours up so he would fly the planes on royal tours, which was just extraordinary. Going through all these old flying books and at what age is this? Um, well, I imagine this was, I don't know, it's maybe, it, it probably be written down, but it was, I mean, 60s, 70s, 80s, definitely. But he was going through his old, his old flight books and it was like, you know, Delhi to Calcutta. And then it was all, the, it was all that the Indian tour, then the Australian tour. So he was actually going up into the front and flying the plane because he was, and Charles mentioned this as well. He took his association with the three armed forces very, very seriously. Obviously he was a naval man at heart, but he was a trained pilot and could fly planes and took his associations with the RAF very, very seriously indeed. And, uh, and following on from that, William talks about how he instilled in, you know, not only his children, but the, the younger generation as well, that we have to look after our armed forces. We have to be in tune with what their needs are. Um, I mean, back to Andrew, his, his only contribution really was, uh, I remember being in the castle or the palace or everything was dropped in about, oh yeah, just remember. The way I live in a palace. Remember I'm a prince, basically. Whereas, you know, all the others, uh, the, the, the York sisters, you don't see too much of Beatrice, but you usually has some really nice anecdotes about the two of them and, um, you know, granny and grandpa. Um, but how about that? The only, the, you don't see any contributions from Meghan or Kate or, um, I mean, obviously Zara Phillips and Peter Phillips pop up because they're his grandchildren. But the only non-family member or non-sort of royal family member was Sophie Wessex. And obviously she's in the family. And I think that tells you how highly regarded she is and how close she was to him. Because Camilla. Oh, no, no, sorry, Camilla was Camilla was okay. in. Sorry, so it's Camilla, so the, Camilla was in. The children-in-law um, were yeah, there. The, yeah, the children-in-law. And um, and I thought that that was quite in, quite interesting. That I thought I would have thought that Kate would have been involved. But I maybe guess. they didn't Maybe they didn't have Kate because then they would have to have Meghan. And, you know... Did well, once you get two generations have... down, there's loads more people. And, yeah, and, maybe, maybe. And they... Then do you have to have Mike Tyndall as well? And uh, so it gets a bit messy, so... And you, you would engage at a very different level with a grandparent-in-law, I think, as opposed to Camilla and Sophie be, having, A, had a much longer relationship with him, and yeah. B, I guess, sort of being closer to that generation maybe and well very much so with camilla because she she says you know he went about his business as a consort of without um you know without being fancy about it and um that he just got on with the job and she says everything that she has learned really has been through him and about how he went about it and i think that's been her great success hasn't it because when you, you look through the, the of days gone by when she was almost public enemy number one and wouldn't necessarily, nobody wanted her to be married to Charles, thought she was a homewrecker, that she'd um, had this huge wedge between his relationship with Diana. And yet now we see her, she's one of the most popular members of the royal family, I would argue, because of the way she has gone about her business, the causes she's supported, and, and she's thoroughly likable as well. 
And I, I can she, say that from working with her, but I think that, that that really does come across as well. And I think she does um, have quite a lot of similar qualities in some ways to Prince Philip. You can imagine her being slight, a little bit plain speaking at times, that she knows that she's not the main event and it's not all about her. And, you know, at the moment, obviously the main event is the Queen and her and Camilla's support for Prince Charles is kind of the second is the second event and you know but she seems to take genuine pleasure in the work that she does with the organizations that she's involved with which I think actually you did get that sense from Prince Philip as well probably I mean he'd been doing it for so long but he he did he did care about this stuff so anyway well I'm glad that you have watched it already and been able to share that with the listeners. Um, and I will look forward to watching it, watching it tonight. And um, yeah, do it's a thoroughly enjoyable watch. Actually, it's um, it's a good piece, good piece to tell Um Question, which Lisa Hishlazano sent many, many moons ago, but it, it's kind of you know. It fits. It fits now for two reasons. One, because we've just been talking about the uh, what was planned for a, a birthday thing, but has ended up being a reflection after death thing. But um, so forgive me, listeners. But general question from a, from an American says Lisa, not to be morbid, but with all the planning going on for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, is anyone feeling superstitious that, that it will happen given her age? It oh. makes me anxious to think about it, like it's tempting fate. Just me, love you guys, a listener in El Paso, Texas. Um, and obviously the, the Platinum Jubilee, there were some more announcements yesterday of what's planned. So, you know, planning very much is, it's going ahead. I mean, it's a big do, Platinum Jubilee. You can't put it together in 24 hours when we go, yes, we're definitely going ahead with this. It's all fine. We'll give it a, we'll, we'll go ahead. But it, it must be, I don't know, it's hard, it is hard and weird. And anyone who's had like elderly, elderly relatives and you want to plan a nice do for them, it is always, couched in that slight anxiety of yeah i get, i mean I get, let, let's just not think about it <laughs> because <laughs> let's not tempt now i think yeah the queen is very very fit very very focused on the plan speaking to someone yesterday saying that she wants to know absolutely everything about what's going on um and there was an announcement yesterday that it's going to be a gallop through history has been billed as a personal tribute to our monarchy will feature more than 500 horses, over a thousand dancers and musicians taking the audience on a journey from Elizabeth the first to the queen. So Ooh. it sounds pretty interesting. So 500 this, um, horses, where are they putting 500 horses? I don't know, across, uh, I imagine to, to the streets of London. Um, the monarch has, yeah, long, long life, long, lifelong rather, lifelong love of all things equestrian is being kept informed by the organizers of the plans and her ponies and horses are expected to feature at the event. And what was very interesting, I thought, is they're going to have, they're sort of billing it as a best of British. So we're going to have Dame Helen Mirren involved. Um, who has famously played the Queen. Played the Queen, indeed. Uh, legendary actor Stephen Fry, who's obviously been, uh, he appeared in something for Comic Relief he, with William. Prince William, yeah. Yeah, a year or so ago. A sketch, yeah. Um, and so, oh, here we go. This uh, the, I'm reading a bit more of it. A spectacular equestrian display showcasing horses from around the globe Bussing them in. Um, <laughs> will be staged in events across four nights in the grounds of Windsor Castle. So there's, this is sort of the Windsor stuff. All the stuff with um, in uh, London is going to be... Do you remember when we started speaking about the giant dragons the size oh, yeah. of London buses and the beasts as tall as three-storey houses? And then there'll be 5,000 military NHS heroes and performer all coming together for the street parties on the Saturday. 
So there's a jam-packed events from Thursday the 2nd to Sunday the 5th of June. So it begins with trooping, and that's hopefully going to be the Real first life. time. First time it's going to be staged in full since the pandemic. Um, then the next day, on the Friday, there's a service at uh, St Paul's, which I presume is going to be screened on the BBC and elsewhere. Uh, then on the Saturday, the Queen and other members of the Royal Family are going to the Derby at Epsom. Um, and then on in the evening is going to be this special concert outside Buckingham Palace. Do you remember the last one? It was pretty pretty fancy. So there's going to be um, it'll be all sing all singing or dancing literally outside Buckingham Palace. And uh, how are people going to? I don't know. How are tickets going to be assigned? Do we know any of that? Are they so, going to? Is it a public would, ballot? Can people? No, buy no, no. Them? Tickets are on sale today. They're on the Wednesday, they are on sale today for this uh, sort of. Extravaganza. Extravaganza of the mag magnificent beasts. They should employ me to for the horses. They are, shouldn't they? Well, for, for I the horses, better get on yeah. there now because my, hus my husband loves the horses. You better get on there, definitely. So Windsor's just called, down the road. A gallop through history is what oh, you need to be Googling. Need to, need to get me a ticket for that one. Oh, I'm excited. Yes, it's going like... to be yeah, it's going to be good. It's a big, big old um, fanfare yesterday with the official launch. Lots of people there talking about the horses, all the uh, symphony orchestra, a few buglers. Love a bugler. Um, still unclear, however, whether Prince Andrew will be part of these celebrations. In well, I mean, I can I, I, I can give you two of his chances, and one's slim and one's none. <laughs> um, I can't, so he, he won't be involved. I mean, where are we on the Prince Andrew situation now? To move to less less edifying parts of the royal okay. Well, so we, so, let me give you a quick rundown of what's been happening over the last few days because it has been quite you know fraught with activity. Because last time we spoke, it was just before the legal hearing when, in fact, he did have a lawyer present in the end. Well, he did have an important uh, a lawyer present in the end. And so this legal hearing, which was last Monday, right? 10 days ago, yeah. 10 days ago. So then he had employed the services of a guy called Andrew Brettler, who is a top attorney sort of in Hollywood, um, has done some sexual assault allegation cases in the past. He has been brought into the Duke's team now. Um, fair, big, big hitter. Um, and it was only announced that he would be present at this hearing uh, four hours before the actual hearing. Now, he did argue, or certainly the, um, the UK team had put forward an argument suggesting that not only did this uh, case launched by Virginia Giffray had no merit because firstly they claimed that because she had signed an agreement in a previous case uh, to do with Jeffrey Epstein, but that was down in Florida, that she that this case couldn't be brought. And the judge basically gave that, gave that short shrift and said, well, these are definitely separate allegations and these are, we're in a separate jurisdiction. So quickly move on from that. Then the next uh, stage was that they hadn't received the papers. Now the, the, the issue was that I mean, we were having a situation where there were taxpayer-funded police officers potentially saying, you know, oh, we can't accept these papers on behalf of the Duke, while the Duke was either inside his house at Royal Lodge or then popped up to uh, to essentially hide out in Balmoral. Um, and then there were pictures of Andrew sort of sneaking in a, a, a lodge in the middle of the forest to have lunch with his mother. I mean, it was it was a terribly bad look, even if he didn't, mean it to be like that but um the judge basically said to this two sides listen get this sorted i don't want to hear any more of it you've got a few days to sort it out and he also ruled because 
just interjecting, the High Court in London had said we will accept the papers on on the on the behalf, um, so they can be served over here. So the pressure was certainly ramped up. Then Virginia Gusfrey's legal representatives have been able to serve those papers. That has actually happened in the last sort of 24, 48 hours. So. Um, uh, so they have been served now. We are now on a 21-day countdown. My understanding is that, and I've written a couple of articles over the last few days, was that certainly Andrew's inner circle were, were suggesting to him that the um, situation he got himself in with this so-called wall of silence, this no comment that they've had um, about these allegations for so long, was really not working and was not only damaging his reputation, perhaps um, irreparably, but was absolutely damaging to the monarchy at large. Um, and certainly Charles and William have privately expressed concerns that they weren't too happy with the way that this was panning out, but they weren't necessarily going to get involved because... I think they presume that it would sort itself out and it has um the wheels do seem to be in motion now so we have a situation where those papers have been served to the u.s attorney the 21 day countdown is on um there may be a situation i'm told through other legal experts in the u.s that andrew brettler may be able to apply for an extension to that 21 days but that does seem unlikely at the moment um they will get to grips with what needs to be done and uh, and it remains to be seen what the defence is because um, the, the, the latest development yesterday that Andrew was going to stay with his, I was told, stay with this uh, legal team in London. He had full uh, confidence in them moving forward. Well, it, um, it seems as though they've got uh, all hands on deck now because the, um, the wheels are in motion. He's got to respond to these, um, these uh, claims. Obviously, he has vehemently denied all of them as uh, at every stage we are told um but it will be very interesting to see what the uh what the change of tactic is now oh it's been going on for a long time i was you know living in a house with two journalists there's an accumulation of large numbers of newspapers and i was sorting out our pile of cuttings and things and two years it was two years ago nearly his interview on in november yeah crazy just been going on and on and on right anyway hopefully one day there'll be progress um right what else has been happening a few things to finish off with uh where should we go next let's let's talk briefly about time's most influential list and those incredible pictures of harry and megan as someone uh, sarah bradbury she shared the comment it's just like oh it's like a hairdresser explaining what he's done to your uh done to your layers when you're behind <laughs> highly amusing highly amusing <laughs> which i just I, I was trying to work out why it was about that picture it's like yes okay that's she's she's hit the nail on the head for me on that one i think people were also commenting that um harry seemed to also have particularly luscious locks which is not always something that <laughs> i know associated with currently he, he's not the only one who's had a hairdo it would seem but uh i mean they were, they were certainly airbrushed with an inch of being real i thought it was it was uh they, they had a particularly lovely glow about them but uh maybe i'm just jealous because my, my tan has my tan has long faded but your hair, your hair is looking considerably Big. more abundant than the print <laughs> so, just, just about. Yes, um, apparently. Listen, Enjoy I, it. Enjoy listen, it. The the these pictures, the the fact that they were named times in times most influential. Does anyone pay attention to these lists? Do they really? Well, people love a list. They do. Even if it's only to disagree with it. But you, you can't resist. You can't resist a list, Russell. Can't resist a list. I mean. But I, yeah. and I think also you know I think it is I think it is. Oh, one thing I will say. Go 
Which is not having a dig. I just, it was a, it's a funny observation. I want to know what people think about Harry's accent when they watch the documentary. Because I found... Oh, what, the his, Prince Philip documentary. The Prince Philip documentary. I found his diction extraordinary. That he's, you know, raise, he's raising his voice um, as if he, you know, as if he has an American twang. And that oh, it's like inflection up at the end of sentences. Yes, yes. It's called introversion, I think, someone told me. I mean, little did I know, but yes, um, quite interesting. Do you think it's changed? I mean, I don't think, but I'm interested. I'm interested in the, pub, the cause of public opinion on it. Okay. Let's say that. All right. All right. I won't All say right. any more. Good. Um, also, last time... Sorry, it's called intonation. Intonation, yeah, it's an version. I'm just like, not sure Inter- about that. Intonation, intonation, intonation. Okay. So, yeah. Um, also, when we met last time, we were, virtually, uh looking ahead to the, um, well, secret plan, which was um, Prince Charles was writing for the Mirror. We had <sighs> so our special environmental edition, which we've been we've done the last couple of years, um, an edition of the paper focused particularly on you know, the, the challenges to the environment and, and putting a spotlight on various things. But, and Prince Charles kindly wrote a sort of, you know, introduction to it all. Yes, he did. And I'm, you know what, I'm super proud of this because Prince Charles has never written for the Daily Mirror before. And uh, one may think that sometimes we are not the, the, the most likely of bedfellows, but, um, you know, it was for a fantastic edition uh, about the, the sort of change in our landscape and the change in the environment. And Charles, when uh, through our sort of discussions with him and his team, he was certainly keen to highlight the, the issue of food wastage. And I think it was particularly important what he was talking about, that he's, he also has um, a campaign which has been released recently about, about precisely about this, which is about how we use food, how we can educate um, kids using food for the future and that is exactly what it's called and the basic he's released this program which was basically going to champion sustainability and combat combat food wastage by giving young people a greater understanding about how the food system works and the impact on the environment so it's not only about how food is made and prepared and grown and picked and how we can use it and how we can use leftovers um just all about the, the the levels of farming and what that means for the environment and how we can make better choices and i think it's um just a, a fantastic scheme that we were able to get behind as well and i thank uh, the prince of wales and his team um if you haven't seen it i may tweet it out again actually because i was really really proud of it but it's on my twitter and it's on the daily mirror website and if you sort of google prince charles i, I thought i'd love seeing that and the daily mirror article and the byline said prince charles <laughs> well, I funny. hope I hope he was very thrilled to get his first byline in the Daily Mirror. <laughs> One of it, many, hopefully. Yeah. Well, hopefully so. It's, it's always a proud moment when you get first byline in a national newspaper. Um, hopefully, even if you are the Prince of Wales. Um, and we're also counting down to the announcement of the winner of the Earthshot Prize, Prince William's big new environmental initiative. And, and they've done some interesting projects in there. I read about... Um, it's about, it's about eight or ten have been sort of shortlisted. None from the UK. Fifteen. 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 A long list of shortlists. Um, but it was a, a, a young girl from India who's invented like a solar-powered ironing cart so that people who, you know, get around in the streets using coal, essentially, to <laughs> dirty coal in dirty machines to 
to heat up irons to do the ironing, switch it out and do solar. So you're dealing with air pollution, you're dealing with all sorts of all sorts of good things all at once. So that was like, this is a good idea. We should be doing that. So are there any others on the list that caught your eye, Russell? Well, the one that I really liked was that um, the Republic of Costa Rica, the whole country has actually been nominated. And this scheme is apparently paying local citizens to the tagline is to restore natural ecosystems that has led to a revival in the, in the rainforest. And it's basically a scheme which is giving people money in order to be invested in this one scheme that will protect local environments, leading to a bigger change in the rainforest. So I thought that, that was fantastic. You've also you, you, you've already um, mentioned uh, Vinishar Ushman Shankar, the um, 14 year old innovator and activist. I mean, this is extraordinary. She's actually won quite a few awards, but the fact that Earthshot will give you a million pounds in order to sort of kickstart your invention or your scheme is um, could be a really, really big deal. Um, there's some other great stuff. Uh, the, I mean, the whole concept of the different categories are protect and restore nature, clean our air, revive our oceans, build a waste-free world and fix our climate. So there's awful lots of um things going on so you've got bangladesh nominations bangladesh nigeria thailand germany japan it's all there um and we have covered it extensively so so go and check it out and i'll do a shout out for um another daily mirror project that's ongoing as well so we're doing a next generation around the world so young people who are on the um on the front line of climate change really so they are uh, that's something else that we are featuring so look out for Rianne Lubin one of our colleagues on Twitter and on um, on the site she is leading the coverage on that so that's another interesting initiative um when I, when I was chatting with the girls last week, we were saying that we would uh, we would see a bit more of the Royals out and about, and we duly have over the last week. Chelsea Flower Show is happening in real life. The Queen's not going, but other other Royals have been down there and admiring the flowers, which is happening at a different time of year. So it's slightly different flowers this time around. Shout out for the dahlias, which are particular favourite of mine. Uh, and then Kate, has, she's done a few different things, bit of yeah. military stuff, bit of abseiling, bit of meeting Holocaust survivors, all sorts going on. Well, and Judy Dench popped up to sort of open the festival. So you've got, you know, uh, further Br British acting royalty turning up. And can I, can I just give a shout out to my friend, my friend Pascal Duval, uh, won a silver gilt at her first showing at the Chelsea Flower Show, which is an absolutely extraordinary achievement. And she was um, she was actually heralded for her work at uh, at the show. And um, and bravo Pascal! Bravo, bravo wanna, Pascal! Did she want to come and sort my garden out? I mean, she, I've been begging <laughs> her to sort mine out. I don't have a lost cause to be, uh, to be fair. Enough of our gardens. Yes. So Kate, what's Kate been up to, or any particular sort of highlights from there? And also, very quickly, because we're running out of time, is there anything coming up that people need to know about? Okay, from... okay, very quickly. So Kate was in uh, sort of late Windermere yesterday. And she was sort of not only sort of a double-edged job, really, because she was um, sort of espousing the virtues of being outdoors, which we know that she's really, really keen to get kids outdoors. And this was in Cumbria. Um, but she was also meeting some of the Holocaust survivors. And a really, really sweet story, actually, that she was... Obviously, we know that she's had... Um, quite an interest in Holocaust and survivors and her, her pictures that she's been doing in the past. But she was also meeting, uh, went on a boat trip on Lake Windermere 
with a couple of um, uh, chaps called uh, Eric Hirsch and Ike Alterman, who are among 300 Jewish children who have flown from the RAF from Prague to the UK back in August 1945 for a period of recuperation, I suppose, before they were then settled here and abroad. And they became this group that they were part of became known as the Windermere children. And they'd been known, um, liberated from the, my pronunciation is awful as, as usual, but the Therenstiat concentration camp in the Czech town of Terezin. Um, they'd essentially been marched to their deaths by their captors before they were then dramatically liberated. And the fact that Kate is still carrying on with this project of hers. I think it's something that we're going to see more in the future because she's already done the photograph. She's con contributed to National um, International Holocaust Memorial Day. So I think it's something that she's very, obviously very, very interested in and, um, and great that she was able to sort of combine her two loves and, and get the message of, of both things out there yesterday. Oh, absolutely and what a fabulous place to be able to do it as well up in the lake district on a, on a very nice day as well um russell it's been very nice to catch up with you on we're on our own gallop through Broyles. we are yes who needs 500 beasts for me we've got you to take us through it all um we'll be back again next week oh, shall i give you a, a quick thing of what i'm up to next week Oh, go on. I am going to the premiere of the James Bond, the world <laughs> premiere of Show No off. Time to Die with Charles Camilla, William and Kate and, and Russell Myers. So that's on Tuesday <laughs> night. So I will be able to fully, fully in, uh, bring you in and, and up to date. Very excited. Are you allowed a plus one? I mean, I'm sure I can get a glam frock out. And, uh, I mean, I will. I will ask. I mean, possibly. Wow. possibly. Go on. <laughs> see what you can do Russell it's been a delight to catch up with you I look forward to being in full jealousy mode next week when I hear about the uh, the premiere and your outing on the red carpet I hope you've got a good good suit and uh, get dressed up dressed up smartly and um, that's it listeners thank you for joining us uh, as ever we'll be on Instagram at Podsave I've been a bit intermittent I'll try and pick my game up again and we're on Twitter as well and I mean Russell is all over the social media so follow him he's a busy boy on there well, we'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and until next time... Pod save the Queen!